In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, we welcome you to the All Souls Sermon Podcast. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. The church year ends this week. A new year will begin next Sunday with the season of Advent. And this week then marks the culmination of the whole church year. And so it's exceedingly fitting that the church celebrates this Sunday as the feast of Christ the King, because the church just exists to bear witness to Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Everything Christians believe and practice derives from this fundamental confession that Jesus Christ is Lord of all. Everything else follows from this. You could say that being Christian just is to learn to say with all of your heart and soul and mind and strength, Thou art Christ, the King of glory. The scriptures appointed for today help us to see what it means to confess Jesus Christ as King. In the epistle, St. Paul shows how the universal sway of Christ's reign extends even over death itself. By rising from the dead, Christ the King has conquered death, a feat which no other king has ever done or ever shall do. As the church sings, Christ is risen from the dead, trampling down death by death, and upon those in the tombs bestowing life. At the end of all things, Christ's victory will become manifest for all to see in the resurrection of the dead. And the last enemy that shall be destroyed is death, says St. Paul. For the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. Then it shall be brought to pass the saying that is written, Death shall be swallowed up in victory. Christ's conquest of death is what ensures the truth of the Church's confession that his kingdom shall have no end. Christ is the only king whose reign is truly everlasting. All other kingdoms without exception, including, I'm sorry to say, republics such as our own, will one day pass away. The Roman Empire emperors who once titled themselves idolatrously as Lord of all, they now lie in the grave, and their empire has vanished from the earth, and all other kingdoms in this earth will meet the same doom, but not so with the kingdom of our Lord, for Jesus Christ is the Lord of all. I am the first and the last and the living one, he says. I died, and behold, I am alive forevermore, and I have the keys of death and Hades. His kingdom alone shall have no end. One very important consequence of this for us is that serving Christ the King is never in vain. It is by no means foolish to give away everything you have and are in service to Christ and his kingdom. It's because of Christ's victory over death that St. Paul can say, Therefore, my beloved brethren, 
Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that in the Lord your labor is not in vain. Your labor is not in vain, because the king you serve has conquered death, and his kingdom will have no end. And it's for this reason, too, that we celebrate the martyrs, those who faithfully serve the Lord Jesus, following him even unto death. From the world's perspective, the martyrs may seem to be contemptibly foolish as the very least of all, because they've thrown away their lives in service of the king. But in truth, they share in the victory of the Lamb. As St. John puts it in his revelation, they have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. And therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night within his temple. And he who sits upon the throne will shelter them with his presence. They shall hunger no more, neither thirst any more. The sun shall not strike them, nor any scorching heat. For the lamb that is in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd, and he will guide them to streams of living water, and God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Service to Christ the King is never in vain. This puts us in the vicinity of our gospel lesson. Because this great parable of the last judgment, the parable of the sheep and the goats, also has to do with service of Christ the King and with the counterintuitive character of his reign. The parable pictures what we confess in the creed about the Lord Jesus, that he shall come again with glory to judge both the quick and the dead. In the parable, Christ the King returns and judges the nations based on whether they have served him. Those who are judged, both the righteous and the unrighteous, are surprised to discover that their loving service of the least, the lost, and the lowly, or its absence, is counted as being rendered or withheld from Christ himself. They discover, either to their delight or their horror, that the Lord of all has been hidden in the persons of the hungry, the thirsty, the stranger, the naked, the sick, and the imprisoned. And that therefore, as the Lord says, inasmuch as ye have done it unto one of the least of these my brethren, ye have done it unto me, or not, in the case of the unrighteous. What can we make of all this? We should say that in the humility of the Incarnation, the Lord of all has completely identified with the human condition, save for sin itself. So much so that we can say that to serve our neighbor just is to serve our Lord. The Lord of all comes seeking us, as it were, hidden in the guise of our neighbor, especially those who seem to be least in the eyes of the world. It's something like an idea from Jewish mysticism, in which, as Rowan Williams relates it, the divine glory or presence, the Shekinah, wanders the earth, a homeless beggar, looking eagerly for souls 
who will recognize her. In an analogous way, Christ comes to us hidden in our neighbor. And recognizing this is what led St. Benedict in the 6th century to write in his Rule for Monks that all guests who present themselves are to be welcomed as Christ. For he himself will say, I was a stranger, and you welcomed me. The monks are to reverence their guests, bowing their heads, prostrating their bodies on the ground before them. Because, as Benedict says, Christ is to be adored in them, because he is indeed welcomed in them. Just think what a profound difference it would make if we lived our lives in this way. With what kindness, what reverence, what attentiveness, what readiness to serve, what love we would exhibit to those we encounter, seeing that as encountering the Lord himself. We should also read this parable in connection with a passage from St. John. God is love, John writes, and he who abides in love abides in God, and God abides in him. And he says, we love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen, cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, that he who loves God should love his brother also. St. John teaches us that God is always the source and the end of love. We love because he first loved us. If we truly love our neighbor, it is because God has first loved us and made us capable of sharing his love. The Christ who comes to us hidden in the person of the stranger is the same Christ who loved us and gave himself up for us, that we might share in his life of love. So it's not that Christ is simply hidden in the persons of the least of these, waiting passively over there for us to come heroically and save them, to serve him. Rather, we should think of the initiative as being with Christ. He comes to us, coming to us disguised, as it were, as a homeless beggar, searching us out. It is Christ who addresses us in the face of the suffering other, Christ, who invites us to welcome him in, Christ, who calls forth love in us. In other words, the parable is not aimed at making us into kinds of heroes working for social justice and changing the world. Rather, it's aimed at a more fundamental transformation, at a complete change of heart, a complete reorientation of all of our lives and our loves around Christ the King, that our hearts 
might be responsive to his presence. The recognition that in our every encounter, the Lord of all is summoning us, claiming us for his kingdom, calling us to himself. As the theologian Anthony Kelly puts it, the self that we experience is a self always claimed by the other. We live our lives with various claims from others pressed upon us by our parents, our siblings, our friends, maybe our spouse, our children, our neighbors, the suffering others, the least of these. All these others lay their claims on us in their various ways. And hidden within these claims is another absolute claim, which is continuously breaking through. The claim which the Lord of all makes on your life, demanding from you an unreserved self-surrender. If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whosoever will save his life will lose it, and whosoever will lose his life for my sake will find it. Responding to this claim, by giving up ourselves in service of Christ the King, it will cost us not less than everything. It may make us one of the least of these, may lead to our deaths, as the martyrs testify. And yet, it is the only way to perfect freedom, the way to the unending life and joy of the kingdom of God, which forever resounds in the praise of Christ the King and Lord of all. Thou art the King of glory, O Christ. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of All Souls Episcopal Church. For service times and more information, go to allsoulsokc.com. God be with you.